This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Late night basketball for the 76ers, where Joel Embiid hangs 50 on the Washington Wizards. Hello, all. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show here on this Wednesday night with Kyle Newbeck, Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens, and the Sixers back in action. The big fella. What is he averaging, like 49 and a half against this basketball team because he put 48 on them in November 6th <laughs> in their win? And uh, he's just he's getting busy against the squad. By the way, defense optional. In this one, very Kyle, optional. Kyle, yeah. yeah, actually, Kyle, man, hey, uh, another big time performance from the big fella. Well, first of all, late night basketball. What are, you can tell that you're a father. Yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah, you're getting man. back into this whole swing of things at work. That was a <laughs> seven o'clock early start. Derek and I, I'm sure, we're celebrating that late, coming man. in. But Too late. yeah, look, man, that was. It's very rare that the Sixers need a 50 ball from Joel to beat a bad team. Uh, I, I mean. He's only really getting 50 balls against teams that are susceptible to it. But normally the question this season has been, will he play the fourth quarter against a team like the Wizards, right? Like he's been dominant in these games so much so that Tyrese Maxey gets to throw that finishing blow to start fourth quarters and Joel hits the showers. Well, that wasn't the case tonight. This was a very clear, either Joel is dragging them to the finish line or they are cooked. And thankfully... Joel had enough in the bag up until the final minutes of the game that he's able to get him over the line. So thank God for that. I know we're a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving now, but I'm very thankful for Joel Embiid and his 50 spot. <laughs> I'm very thankful for Kelly Oubre and him lifting him during those minutes to try to get without Joel Embiid on the floor. So at the fourth, I'm very thankful for all of that because I did not want to come into this studio and talk about a loss to this freaking Wizards team. That would have been dreadful. So thank you to all of those mentioned. Really not a whole lot of thanks for anyone else. Tyrese. Tyrese was good offensively, and we'll get into why that disclaimer is necessary. But that was a terrible defensive performance that the Sixers overcame because Joel Embiid is incredible. The Wizards have nobody that can defend him, and they got just enough offensive contributions to gloss over the fact that they were a train wreck for most of the night defensively. And to that point, Derek, we already have our first Super Chat of the night from Jake M. Shout out to Jake. Says... The defense was so bad, Jordan Poole scored in the half court in the third while Denny was tying his shoe at <laughs> midcourt. That, I mean, that, if there's not a better summary than that on the internet right now right. Of, of that game, like that, I cannot get over how bad the Sixers were on defense. Like, look, I want to focus first on Joel, and I think that game, if you compare where Joel was offensively like four years ago, He just wouldn't have been capable of having a game like that because Joel's plan A, similar to Doc Rivers' plan A, used to be very good. And then teams were able to change the coverages, change the matchups, and and mess with his head a little bit. And now that Joel's a guy who you can't throw zone at him, he gets to the middle of the floor, gets that entry pass, can hit a mid-range jumper. So zone doesn't really mess him up. He's reading doubles better. I know he had a bunch of turnovers tonight, but I didn't think those were – 
bad passing turnovers or the classic doing too much, dribbling too much, that sort of thing from him. And it's just such a cheat code to have a guy, Joel's size, who can march to the free throw line over and over and over and over again, but also can step out and just hit, mid, hit mid-range jumpers, hit turnarounds. He can attack a guy off a closeout. Like there was, I don't remember who it was. Was it Gallinari or Mascala closed out on him on a possession, I think early in the fourth quarter where it's about the dunk. He, yeah, yeah, right. he, he got closed out on. And the second that Joel went by him, we were all like, oh, that's a dunk. That's an easy one. And so the, the full skill package is just breathtaking from him when he has it working. I want to go back to something you said. Uh, we have a graphics department. I want a graphic of Kyle. And all it says in there is PHLI host compares Joel Embiid to Doc Rivers. Because that <laughs> oh, is not, that's not I will fair. share the ever-living heck out of that on social Four media. Four years ago, Joel, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And that was Joel prior to Doc even showing up in the yeah. first place. No, so. I, used to, I used to call him one of the most overrated offensive players in the league, Joel. Because he needed those counters. He needed to be able to read the defense better. He needed to be able to expand his range. Out to the mid-range, um, he has made every one of those and then some. So I agree with you. In the past, I don't think he has the diversity and I don't think he has the awareness to have this kind of a game. He has progressed by leaps and bounds uh, on on both ends. Well, on, offensively for sure. Defensively, sometimes effort comes and goes, including at times tonight. But offensively, he is just such a better player than he was before. Four years ago, he was more of a prospect with all these tools and all of these incredible skills for a guy of his size. He has put that together. You need to see it now in the playoffs, obviously, and we've talked about that to death. We'll talk about that to death until he has a good run. But in terms of skills and awareness, uh, especially in the regular season, he's got it all. Well, he, he definitely has it all, and we've seen it over the last couple of seasons where, as you talked about, finally getting into that place where that mid-range jump shot is a layup for him at this point of his career, and that's where he lives. That's where he makes a big-time living if he's not on the low block, getting some easy buckets and certainly hoisting up threes, or as Kyle talked about, getting to the free-throw line. That's just a part of it. But in, the, in that 24-second shot clock where he's in that half-court set, for him to go and get to that spot, that's where he loves, whether it's the, the jab step, pull-up jumper, or the walk into it. And, and Derek, you talked about the one where he was just wide open, the easiest one of the night in the fourth quarter. Uh, but he was phenomenal. 50 points in 38 minutes, 19 of 29 from the floor, and 11 of 13 from the free throw line it's with six assists. And, and, and I mean, seven assists, pardon me. And six turnovers, yes, we, we know that's the frustrating part, of course, about his game. But... And without him, as you said, clearly with the 50 points in the box score, they needed every bit of it. And as we talked about it, as the game got underway, we, you said to me, all right, is he going to get 50 tonight? I said, nah, he'll probably get about 45, 46. Just, he had that look. He, had that, he look. had that look. And you were absolutely right. I mean, look, in the first quarter, he had 15 on 7 of 10 shooting, playing the entire first quarter, five rebounds, one turnover. And he had that look, as you, as you say. Well, let's and be honest. The only reason he got 50, though, is because they were so bad defensively that he had to play in the first. <laughs> Derek really wants to talk about the defense. I, should, I do want to celebrate this guy a little no, bit I'm before just like, we have this, to. This is a game where he should not have had to play the fourth quarter. No. Like, he only, the reason he got 50 is because they were so bad defensively, he had to be on the floor until the very end against a terrible team. Yeah. And that should have never been the case. So, Devon, you brought up the assists. I want to, there was some discussion during the game, and I think probably in our chat, if, if I had to guess, about, you know, the offense turned into it's Joel ball. Like they're just throwing him the ball and he's ISOing and he's doing this and he's doing that. And that maybe was why some people thought the Sixers were cold from three. I disagree with that. I think there are definitely some nights where look, if the ball's going through one or two guys and you get disconnected from everyone else, I definitely believe that translates not only on offense, but on in terms of defensive effort, like it's hard if you're a role player and you don't touch the ball, you don't get a shot for five minutes to go down on the other side of the floor and bust your ass. Like it's basic pickup game philosophy, right? Like if sure. you're not shooting in a pickup game, why the hell am I running back so I can run back down the floor again and have a guy dribble eight times and take a contested pull-up jumper? I wouldn't do it. But I do think Joel read the floor well. Like even when those assist numbers weren't there early and they went, what was it, two of 16 from three? in the first half. Yep. I thought Joel shared the ball enough. I thought the ball moved enough. It was just that he was overwhelming Daniel Gafford right. so badly. Like, yes, Daniel Gafford ended up in foul trouble and fouls out of the game. But the first like five minutes was just Joel blowing him off the spot so badly. 
that he didn't even have a chance to foul him. He's driving yeah. at him, sticking his shoulder into him. And Gafford's like at the stanchion as Joel is laying the ball in. Like he made it look really easy. And I know he's got a size and strength advantage on Gafford. It is a guy he should kill every time out. But the degree to which he made that look easy is still staggering to me. Like that scoring 50 points in a basketball game should not be as easy as he made it look. Very easy, once again. And it, oftentimes when we see him do certain things in a game over the, the course of these last few years where he's really diversified his game to uh, Derek's point where he's done so many different parts, and you say, all right, a big guy like him at that size is not supposed to be doing this. And then you hear the arguments for why he's not as good, not for what Derek was talking about four years ago, but at this moment, right, where we still hear that, well, this about Joel Embiid. And even in the game, there was a, a couple of times where I looked at the guys and I said, hey, he needed to pass the ball right there too because he's just doing too much trying to get that 50 because he's very smart. He's very aware of how close he is to those numbers of his career high, uh, pardon me, the season high this year, 48, and certainly getting to that 50 spot that he eventually got to. But that was just a few of those moments, not overall in the game because it was very evident that he could do whatever he want, and that is typically the case against his Washington team, whether it's Daniel Gafford, even when Chris Porzingis was there, uh, some of the others that have worn that Washington wizard. I mean, the backups tonight, for example. They're, you're dealing with Mascala and yeah. Gallinari. Yeah. Like those guys have exactly. no chance. No shot. Absolutely no shot. And I was even trying to give Washington a little bit of credit that their, their, their coaching staff of on the other end, when we'll get to the defense again being optional, also Embiid included in that. But they did something really smart where they pulled and they had a, a, a smaller lineups and it was Koulibaly uh, out there and Nick Nurse and their defense had Joel Embiid out on the perimeter. And what did they do? They made sure that they, hey, let's let's attack the basket while the big fella is out there on the perimeter. But he, he was fantastic. He was Joel Embiid, the MVP candidate that we talk about all the time, deserving of everything that we discussed. They needed every bit of it. As, as he did every single thing that they needed with the 15 there in the first, having 26 at the half. He was phenomenal. I'm just going to stop you right there. There will be no more Mike Muscala slander. Sixers legend Mike Muscala, <laughs> I mean, no listen, more slander on this show. Mike Muscala, a legend for getting them Tyrese Maxey, essentially, but not a legend as a defensive player. We'll I think we all way. understand the implication of what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. You don't need to spell it out. Yes. And, and look, they also... Bad job on the coaching staff here defensively. They didn't double team them. They were just letting them. Yeah, I mean, they tried to play some zone. They threw some situational doubles at them, but I guess they believed just let him cook and everybody else kind of stands around. That's our recipe for winning. But when they he's a willing a passer, yeah, but when he's a willing passer, that's not a good recipe for success. And then, as we've talked about over the last couple of days since I've been back with you guys, you have somebody like. Nick Batum, who's going to make a pass when they're in that zone yeah. to yeah, catch him in the nice middle of the floor. Yeah, yep. exactly. So a big mistake there by the Washington defense. And I guess really that's why they are after tonight's game again are three and 17 on the campaign. No, to your point, it was just so nice. Wizards went, went zone. Um, Batum has the ball out in the, the slot. Just nice, easy bounce pass to Joe for a 12 footer. That seems like he's the only one on this team that can make that pass. And it was an easy pass. And I don't know why it's so hard for everyone else, but it's just nice to have him on the floor sometimes to steady things for sure. It's hard sure. because other people wait another two seconds to throw the pass. Whereas Batum yep. again, as usual ball hit his hands and it's out the second that it's getting to him. That's the key to good offense. Most of the time, like, you know, when the Spurs were in those battles with LeBron toward the end of the Duncan era, the thing that set them apart from most of the league was those guys were not having to think. It, it was just reactive. Like, I know he's cutting here. I know he's going to be there. I know if I get this pass at this spot, at this time in the shot clock, that ball can come out of my hands. And it made them basically impossible to guard, even at the highest levels of basketball. And that's you need players who think that way, who play that way, who yep. aren't having to like, hey, I caught the ball and now I need to figure out a plan. Like that's that's playoff basketball. Right Brett there. Brown used to always say it when he was here. I just want you to be strong and wrong. Just be quick and decisive. Doesn't really care. I mean, he does care obviously a little bit, but like uh, he'd rather that than a indecisive uh, correct play because the indecisive correct play isn't going to materialize in time. You've got to be decisive. He knew where he was going to go not. with the ball if it found his hands and that was right where it needed to be. 
And he's probably looking at like, what are these guys doing? Why? Are and then it finally swings to him and he makes the correct pass as he, again, nine points, six rebounds and five assists for Nick Batum in a starting role with the Sixers. They had their full complement of players, Kelly Oubre being one of them, Tyrese Maxey, again, another typical night for him with 26, seven assists. We'll get to DeAnthony Melton, Kelly Oubre and others as the rotation uh, was what it was tonight. We'll talk about, of course, some of the players that maybe shouldn't have gotten a, a certain amount of minutes that they got tonight and some of the others that maybe should have in this game against Washington. I also think the game, it planned itself out that way, uh, played into how many minutes for some of the others, but we'll certainly get into that as we continue here on this Wednesday night as the Sixers defeat the Washington Wizards 131-126 behind 50 from Joel Embiid on this Wednesday night here on the Sixers on the PHLY Sixers postgame show right so here. So before we talk about any of that good stuff, well, in most cases, horrible stuff, I got to tell you guys about our next partner, AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I started drinking it every single day and I gave AG1 a try because... We're here late hours. There's a big thing of candy that There's one of our coworkers just They're brought in. My diet tends to collapse. We're, I'm sleeping in far too late. And I need something to replenish my vitamins and get me going in the morning and not feel so terrible about my diet and the things I'm putting into my body. And since I started adding some AG1 to my morning routine month, month and a half ago now, I can feel a noticeable difference in my energy in the mornings. And that's really when I tend to struggle. So it gives me a, the pick-me-up that I need. And AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple, drinkable habit, helping you build your health foundation first. And when you take AG1 every day, you're starting a micro habit with macro benefits, doing it in the simplest way possible. At a cost of less than $3 a day, your body can't afford not to have AG1. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. That's drinkag1.com slash phly6ers. Check it out today. You are not kidding about that candy, man. I walk in, so we have a room where we keep some props in, those godforsaken hats that Kyle makes me wear are in there, uh, and we tend to put some candy in there. And I, first thing Kyle says when I walk in, he's like, yo, you got to check out the candy room. You got to check out the candy room. It was insane. But because I have no self-control, I have to look to find healthy ways to eat elsewhere. Uh, and I've long been on the lookout for a low-carb bread that allows me to hit my dietary needs while retaining all the flavor. Recently, I've made that transition to Hero Bread, as not only does it taste great, but they have a wide variety of offerings from sliced bread, tortillas, burger and hot dog buns and more delivered directly to your door. Enjoy all the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs with fewer calories than the leading national brand and five to 10 grams of protein per serving. And you can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription. So you can get hero bread delivered directly to your door every two weeks, every month or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O.co to save 10% today. All right, welcome back. And defense optional, of course, not just Marcus Morris in this one. It seemed like it was the whole team. <laughs> yeah, we just, can't pick on Marcus <laughs> right, after that game. <laughs> no, not, not defensively, not just him. Seemed like it, there were everybody had a problem as the Wizards hang again to 126 uh, on the Sixers and the loss. They lose by five in this one. Sixers pick up their 13 win on the campaign. And Kelly Oubre makes his return about a month off here for the, um, uh, the sixth man for the Sixers tonight. Came in, saw some struggles a bit early as he tried to get his legs back underneath him after missing so much time. But they needed him big time in the fourth quarter. He came up huge as... Derek pointed out that he scored 10 points, uh, the lone 10 points for the Sixers in the fourth quarter uh, as they were struggling and they were going back and forth with the Washington Wizards. He finished with, in that quarter, 10 points on 4-5 shooting. Uh, a big three-pointer that he nailed, his only three-point made in that fourth quarter down the stretch to give them a seven-point advantage, 109-102. And they needed every bit of his effort tonight back out there on the floor. It was really good, again, 
We talked about it yesterday, getting the full complement, the healthy team that we get a chance to see, to see where the rotation goes, see where the help comes from, see where you can get those points off the bench, see where, again, when things struggle and bog down for this offensive player who can not only catch a shot and shoot it immediately and make it, cut back door, finish at the rim, but also create for himself, which he did there tonight. And again, finishing with the 10 in the fourth, but overall in the game in his first game back, helping the Sixers out with 12, uh, a a big lift for for this basketball team tonight, Kyle. And and thank God they got any kind of lift from the bench because to your point, Devon, about the defense, I, I mean, you could go down the list. Joel had some stuck in the mud possessions. Tobias, who is getting absolutely destroyed in the chat right now. Yes, he is. Was, you know, at the center of a bunch of miscommunications and lazy effort plays. Tyrese Maxey, as good as he was on offense, got crossed over by Tyus Jones maybe eight different times. And I know my guy Ash in the chat brought up, yes, this card-carrying member of the Tyus Jones bandwagon. Very proud of that performance tonight. So that's why I bring him up on every damn podcast. Might be a stock-up candidate, huh? Might we be don't really recruiting. do stock up for other teams. Other teams. He's, recruiting. Recruiting. He's, recruiting. Yeah. He's recruiting. But here's what I would say. I think, so not to pick on Marcus, because I don't think Marcus was special, especially bad compared to anybody else. I think it's a great example of a game where they got so little defensive effort and activity from the group that you basically have to play Jaden Springer in that game, right? Like that game is exactly where I was going. I agree. Screaming for Jaden Springer. You're not getting offensive contributions for most of this group outside of Joel and Maxie. You need a bit of athleticism, activity, youth, quite frankly, like a kid who's going to be excited to come into the game. All these guys after a four day layoff, a bunch of vets are kind of slogging through this, shitty opponent that they know is bad they know they're probably going to beat and if that's the attitude you have to get springer into that game i know that we're like slanted towards springer well, but not anyway. only that like how about more than four minutes for covington right i was about to bring him up next like, only four minutes it's not even morris he wasn't specifically bad this time it's just you had other options to use those minutes for why not inject some kind of energy and life on the defensive side of the floor into this game and they just didn't I mean, like if if nobody's playing defense, play a guy who I am almost positive is at least going to try on defense. Yep. Is the so I didn't mean to hijack the Kelly Oubre thing. I, I to your point, Devon, that's the reason that fourth quarter stretch that it was exciting to get him back in the lineup. He struggled through a lot of the game, dunked on a baseline cut, but otherwise was kind of up and down. Had the same defensive struggles mm-hmm. as everybody else, but. He can get hot in a hurry and he can do it where he didn't have to dominate the ball, right? Like there was a, a putback dunk. Mm-hmm. He had a slot drive scored on an M one hits a catch and shoot three. And all of a sudden guys scored, you know, eight, 10 points and he's made a real difference in the game. And during a crucial stretch when Embiid was out and they're trying to get a couple minutes and tread water and they needed that because I mean, Maxi, like you said, he was out for a couple minutes there to start the fourth as well. Um, I thought nurses rotations were a little bit funky today. Um, they needed someone to step up unexpectedly. And I don't want to say that Ubre doing so is unexpected a little bit because he was out for so long. First game back did struggle a little bit in the first three quarters, at least offensively. Although I will say, even when he wasn't necessarily making an imprint offensively, I still thought he was active defensively. And again, in the game where nobody else on the team really was in part, because everybody else seemed like they took the night off on that end in part, because Nick nurse didn't play maybe some of the younger players or, or role players who are focused on defense, but I thought he gave them a lift on that end, at least in terms of his energy. But to then come around and translate that into points at a time when they desperately needed it was huge. Yeah, and to get, what did they get? 21 points off the bench, 12 for Ubre, 4 for Marcus Morris, and 5 for Patrick Beverly, who still feels like he's in Boston. He shot five threes tonight. Hey, he hit that one real nice three, though. <laughs> the one that went in was nice. I would rather... <laughs> it was. Devon and I talked about this during the game, right? I'd rather live with Pat Bev being aggressive and seeing a semi-open shot and saying, I'm taking it, than what we normally get from a guy like Tobias, which is, hey, I'm going to turn this open shot into nothing. Do you know how many threes Tobias took today? I'm going to guess zero. One. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. 35 minutes against maybe the worst defensive team in the league. 
Yeah, three for nine, six Fire points. Fire away, man. Just and fire. I, it, it, There's it, so much like, okay, look, he's yeah. never going to be like an off-the-dribble passer. That's not his game. He's going to be a slow decision maker. That's <laughs> that's his game. I feel like an Eagles fan saying, run the ball. Shoot the fucking ball. <laughs> if he just shot the ball, I would lay off of him way more. It, that's the most frustrating part to me. I'm, uh, I, I'm laughing part. also at you guys, but John Dickerson in the chat says, Tobias is Kadeem Hardison in the sixth man. A ghost, uh, because <laughs> it was it was bad, and and we we could he was invisible as John is talking about, and we were talking about it and discussing it during the game where you, there was a moment where he was the lone starter in the game, yeah. and we all collectively said, okay, this is where he's going to maybe try to do t- a little bit too much, and did he ever? But when we talked about the shots and the spots that he likes to get to, he got to his spot. He made one. It was a uh, free throw line extended, right? Jumper, nailed it. Then he came down and he did his typical stutter, get to that spot again, miss. Tried another one along the baseline, fade away, miss. And he just had that look that Derek was talking about on Tuesday's pod where he gets in his own head. Instead, though, Mm -hmm. this was not from behind the three-point line. These were in that intermediate area spot where we talk about where he likes to get to, but he was thinking too much. And once again, it was one of those nights here tonight where, as Kyle, you mentioned it, if you get five three-point attempts from Patrick Beverly, guess what? So what? Because he 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 was open. I'll take that. I, I he even will had live a step with back. aggressiveness. Yeah, he to was Derek's aggressive. point that Brett used to say, strong and wrong is okay. Cause, and honestly, I don't think that's wrong. You get open or semi-open threes, especially to your point, Devon, about he's the lone starter. Look at what Tyrese Maxey does when he's the lone starter. Look at what Joel Embiid mm-hmm. does when he's the lone starter. Those guys get after it. And if they're not shooting, they're drawing in other defenders and setting people up. And look, Tobias is not much of a playmaker. I'm not expecting him to become one this late in his career. But carry yourself like you're the dude in those lineups because you are. You mean and like I- like Beverly Oubre, and even to, to maybe his detriment, Morris believe he goes out there and acts like he wants floor, to score. If Tobias had the confidence of Marcus Morris, I would be okay with that. Yeah, I would be that, okay and, and that's the yeah. whole point right there. That that's that's where it was tonight, and it was bad. And look, the Anthony Melton, we were getting on him early because he was struggling, and then all, he turned it around. He looked like he was still maybe having those after effects of whatever was going through the Sixers locker room where everyone was getting sick. He finished with 19 and he was two for five from, from three, five for 10 overall from the floor, five boards, four assists, a block shot, two steals. He was getting after it uh, in that game tonight yep. uh, when they needed the defense, when they needed the offense. And I was right. We were like, give him the quick hook, get him the quick hook and get him out. But he, he turned around and played well to the tune where those guys combined for 26 for Maxi and 19. Pretty good performance from the backcourt. Before we get to the backcourt and a comment that I really want to touch on, Devon. Right. Okay. You know who doesn't let us down? Who's that? Unlike Tobias Harris. Our good friends at the Game Time app, because with Game Time, <laughs> buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater near you. And they have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee that you guys know I love to bring up all of the time. Guys, the holidays are coming up. I know we have a special event coming soon that we can talk about right after we're done this bit about game time. But you need stocking stuffers. You need gifts for those loved ones in your life. Maybe those loved ones in your life that you neglected on Black Friday. You let the gifts go a little too long. You can go to the Game Time app. Get last-minute deals on all the tickets that you want. And look, it's even better than that. You get images of your seat before you buy. You know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you are set. Tickets get sent directly to your phone. Never have to dig through your email. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I did see a comment from Trust the Process. <laughs> He's that getting I, destroyed out that there. That I wanted to highlight. My where goodness. You guys remember when Tobias said the fans would trade me for a crumble cookie? Yeah. Trust the Process yeah. said crumble cookie would have at least given us a sugar rush for some defensive energy. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I can't argue with it oh, because man. they had no energy. That's. You, you can only go up from zero. But they all had no energy, not I've, just him, but have you had a crumble point. cookie? 
I have. They are massive and they're They're expensive. more like cakes they, than they cookies, really are. Yeah. I think. I'm, and I'm not slandering they are cookie gigantic. because maybe they'll sponsor us one day. They should. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There you go. They should. Yeah. They are gigantic. They're good, though. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I enjoyed they're tasty. It. They're very yeah. decadent. Yes. I would say. And I've had the sugar cookie and it does give you a bit yeah. of a rush. Yes, it does. Yeah, there you go. But man, he's getting destroyed. And look, rightfully so. You can't. And no one who wants to defend can say the ball wasn't swinging to him because ball never found him. Hey, hey, <laughs> old James Harden. Yeah, never found him. But it, it, it certainly did. Uh, and this one. All right. A little bit on the defense because it was it was poor. We do have to poor, talk about that. Poor. That was bad. It, are, are as we, Brett Brown as, used to say, poor. <laughs> as much as we gave them credit of, hey, number one, we were kind of right because they didn't have it. And they needed this opponent, maybe. Otherwise, they might have lost this game against a better team. Oh, yeah. Defensively and offensively playing against them. But in this one... I mean, they, they needed this opponent to, to get it right, to get to where they needed to get a five-point victory. And we talked about, what are they going to win by? Five, six, seven. And Kyle was right on the number. But this this one, man, it, it was bad. And to the four minutes of Robert Covington, as you talked about, you got 20 from Patrick Beverly. But even Patrick Beverly's defense wasn't all that good tonight, getting hit back door and no Jaden Springer. Defense was really bad tonight. And maybe the layoff... Was uh yeah. I'm sorry. I want to Bree, our producer, shout out to Bree as always. Can you flag all of these Tobias jokes that are being made, <laughs> and we will read the best ones in the final segment because people are really going. They're off really on going Tobias after. right now. All right, now get to the defense because yeah, yeah it, it was it was bad. So look, I mean, it's one of those that I'm sure Nick Nurse treats this as a burn the tape type game because when every single player on the floor is bad for most of it, I think there may be two guys you could say at least had stretches. I think Joel had some rim protection moments that yeah. some of that is just, he's so big that he's bound to make those. He's so big. Game. And if you challenge him, he'll, he'll, he'll take. And the effort improved for some brief spurts where I think he probably looked at it like, Hey, this is a moment we might be able to pull away. We're up four, we're up six. This is a shitty enough team. We could turn this into 10, 15 in a hurry. Now, unfortunately, nobody else on the floor or on the bench seemed to get that memo, and it ended up being a four- to six-point game for most of the rest of the night. But I did think he at least showed some life on that end. Nick Batum's the other guy. Yeah, I thought he was probably unfortunate not to create a few more turnovers. Like I thought he got his hands on balls, got some deflections, got slowed down Kyle Kuzma a few times. And balls just bounced the wrong way, went to Wizards teammates or back into Kuzma's hands. But thought he did a decent job. Certainly was not a, a standout because nobody really was in that game. But they're really the only guys that I think you could look at and say, yeah, they made some some nice plays tonight. And Devon, I don't know if we've ever talked about this subject specifically. Mm -hmm. My favorite Embiid play defensively. Kuzma went up, tried to punch it on him. And instead of how most guys do now that are shot blockers, just doing the, here you go, giving them the runway, yeah. he goes up and he blocks him and he's not afraid of the challenge there. And I give Joel, you shouldn't have to give guys credit for doing that. That should just be like, that's part of your job. But everyone's so concerned with like highlights and Twitter and Instagram and mm -hmm. whatever else that they shy away from that stuff. I was glad to see him do that. I'm glad to see him do that. I would say fairly frequently compared to a lot of other rim protectors. I was talking to our guy Vince here, and he was talking about how Walker Kessler's stock was down a little bit. And as, yes, he is. And, and he was talking about Walker Kessler and how he hasn't in year two lived up to what yeah. you know the expectation was. And he got dunked on the other night. And it was it was nasty. It was a highlight. And I said to him, I said, you know what? But I still love the fact that the seven footer who's supposed to do that as his job, trying to rim protect, didn't back away and put his hands up and move back and let the guy just go ahead and get an easy two. No, he challenged it. Yes. And what happens when you challenge? Sometimes you get flushed on. You know who got dunked on a ton in the 90s? Alonzo Mourning. You know who's one of the best rim protectors in the 90s? Alonzo Mourning. And as much like, as you, I can't stand him, I give him that credit because he was that, <laughs> as you said. Matumbo and Alonzo Mourning, those guys would absolutely do that. But, yeah, he, those two were really the only ones that showed any defensive effort uh, tonight. And they 
that's against this team. They could get away with it, Derek. And we, we know that uh, Detroit, they could probably get away with it again as they get ready for them. Maybe and they've got another one against the Wizards. Like against most of this stretch, they can get away with it. Sure. Uh, but it's definitely good that the, you know, coming back from this layoff from when everybody was out from the lineup because they were sick, it is definitely good to have a James Harden level ramp up period before they play real basketball again because they were not playing real basketball for most of the night. No, no, they absolutely were not. And uh, before we get to some of those comments that you asked Bree to kind of, you know, kind of get there so we can go because, yeah, he's getting getting destroyed and rightfully so here tonight. We got to tell you about our good friends at FOCO, a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment and merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms out there. It's football and tailgating season overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. They have it all. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces that you see on our sets right here for us. And you can have those same awesome pieces for yourself, whether it's for your office, for a gift that you may have for one of your loved ones for the upcoming holidays. Check them out. FOCO, FOCO always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. I don't know that you'll be looking for that Tobias Harris um, bobblehead, but maybe one of the others like Embiid and Maxi. Yeah. So perhaps. 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 Yes. And Dan is asking on the, on the chat, will I sign uh, the Pat Bev jersey at the PHLY takeover next week on the 15th? At the center when they take on the Detroit Pistons, and you can catch a game with the diehards at the game, the official PHLY takeover Sixers hosting the Pistons at the center. These guys will be there. Is Rich going to be there? I don't know. I'm not sure. I I never know when Rich is going to be around. He's like like Nightcrawler in X-Men. He just shows up sometimes. All right. Well, we'll we'll certainly be having the takeover. The three of us will be there. We'll be there. And, of course, uh, yes, I will sign the Pat – should I sign Pat Beverly's jersey? Sure. Sure. Why not? Why not? Sign the Pat Bev jersey. I mean, if a Pat Bev jersey is good enough for Bryce Harper, it's good enough for anyone. Why not? That was a a choice, too, wasn't it? That was a choice. That was a choice. That, that was definitely well, a choice. Didn't work out well for him that night either. We would love to see as many of you as possible at our Sixers takeover. Obviously, the Pistons are uh, and one of those cakewalk games we've been talking about, yeah. but we will have quite a good time. Two, two other things about that. There's a limited number of tickets, so go check it out quickly. Uh, and also, we have a sale for diehards, uh, allphly.com. $20 off for a yearly diehard subscription. So go check that out as well. You get access to all of our writing, access to a Discord server. You get discounts on merch and events go check that out all phly.com all right do we do we have some fun ones that that you want to get to we should probably analyze the game a little bit i think before we spend it looks like we have like 10 minutes worth of roasts from chat <laughs> we don't, about need, we don't need to do all that i guess okay here's where so what did you guys make of tyrese's performance i i didn't think it was anything special but also it's hard to look special when no, it Joel scores 50. <laughs> yeah no offensively it was fine it was a good performance especially on a night when Joe has it going like that that was a good way to compliment him carry them at times like I thought he did a good job getting into the the paint and at the rim um, he had a good floor game didn't commit a turnover all that stuff defensively it was one of his worst of the season might be his worst defensive performance of the season he was a big part of why they were bad kyle mentioned it earlier but tyus jones got him on a number of crossovers where where tyrese was just out of the picture he gambled so badly and guessed so wrongly um he was real real bad and they were getting dribble penetration all night in large part because tyrese either off the dribble or coming off the screen was not providing any real resistance he wasn't the only one not providing resistance but he was certainly a part of their defensive breakdowns and even in some of the miscommunications, he was a part of it. And again, sometimes you don't know who is doing the one miscommunicating. It could be either of the two or even at times three in that action. But he was involved in a number of those. He was not good defensively. Offensively, it wasn't his best performance, but he was good enough. If he was just competent defensively, I'd have very little complaints. We've seen now at this point with the amount of time he spent in the league that he's so good that these performances are just that. He can, on a, on a bad night, not even a bad night, but on a somewhat, you know, above average night, he can give you 26 and seven with no turnovers, still shoot 50% from the floor 
and hit two of his six three-pointers and still be effective where they need those 26 points on the offensive end. So not his best. We've seen him at his best where it doesn't have to be that 50 points, which is the second 50-point per game on, on the season now that Embiid has 50 tonight, 54 Tyrese Maxey earlier in the year. But we've seen him play better. He will play better. He was just, he was good for Tyrese Maxey to still give you 26 and seven. And when you talk about the defense and the penetration that the Wizards had of getting into the paint, 64 points for the Wizards in the paint tonight. And a lot of that starting at the top where you don't wall that off, number one, with the man on ball, on ball defense, and not letting your man get to the paint, whether for a finish for himself or a drop off or a teammate cutting, an easy bucket underneath, kick out to the three point line, whatever it was. That cannot happen, as we know, and Tyrese Maxey has been much better this season at that. But coming off of, uh, if we want to give him a, a little bit of a break because he's had such a fantastic season, he too, first game back off of the illness that he was suffering, Embiid had 50, <laughs> okay, uh, he had the 26. But we've seen him play much, much better, and I expect that when we see him next on Friday, he'll probably be a little bit better with his legs underneath him once again and, and having a much better performance or giving you another 26 and seven, but it looks much better offensively than it did tonight. And here's the thing. We're at the point where Tyrese shoots 50% from the field has 26.7 assists, zero turnovers. And we're like, well, that was an okay Tyrese can mm -hmm. like nobody's whooping and hollering about it. And to me, that says everything about the leap that Tyrese has taken this season. That used to be, you got 26 points and seven assists out of Tyrese. Even last season, we'd be running fucking victory laps around the studio. We'd be like, man, this kid's going to be something special. Oh my God. I can't believe he's got that in him. Seven assists with no turnovers. And look, some of that is like, you're getting seven assists because if you threw the ball to Joel tonight, he was making right. a shot. So I don't worry too much about that. It's more that he's he's taking care of the basketball. He can score within the flow of the offense. I think AC Fella in the chat said that Maxi needs to shoot more threes. I would agree with that. He took six tonight. I continue to be in the Joel camp where it's like 10 threes a game. Just get them up. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what part of the shot clock it is, what you have to do to get those shots up. He's playing enough minutes and has the ball in his hands enough that I want to see those shots fly. And there were That'd probably be, two in the game that we said to each other. Specifically pointed it yeah, out. Yeah, that, hey, he should have shot that one right there. But, again, just coming back, maybe that was, just, eh, it's not there yet, a little hesitant, don't have a good feel, don't, my legs don't feel right. Whatever it was for a normal shot for Maxi to take that shot with the defense still there or maybe even a few feet further than we're accustomed to seeing him now shoot from those 35 feet three-point three attempts that he just didn't pull the trigger on them tonight, and and that's and that's cool. So uh, that's that's something that I think again we'll see it maybe on Friday and even going forward when they when they get back at it. And, and one more thing, since you talked about uh, the overall game that that we're we're pointing out here, not just an individual player, twenty three fast break points for the Wizards and ten for the Sixers. And early on, you could clearly see, Derek, yeah. that they were trying to run. Just like we see from these bad Indiana, we didn't know they were this good. But you knew that they, for them to score points, that they want to run. They want to mm -hmm. get out in transition. They want to have you on your heels. And that was clear that that's what Washington wanted to do against this team. And 23 points in transition on 10 of 16, 5 for 7 for the Sixers for those 10. They a big advantage there, which was a big part of why they were able to stay in it. Sure. And I think the Wizards came into the game with your second or third in the league in pace. They want to run every night, but when you take, you know, either the Sixers, you miss your first 13 three-pointers in a row. You're giving the other team ample opportunity to run. That's tough to do, by it's the way. It's real tough. Um, but what's not tough is to run off of those made threes. Long rebounds lead to long, or long missed threes lead to long rebounds, which lead to running, especially for a team like the Wizards who want to run anyway and who know they have to run if they want to try to be competitive with a more talented team. The Sixers missing so many threes to start the game played right in their hands. And also the Sixers were really sloppy with the ball in the first half. That didn't help. They cleaned it up a little bit in the second half. What the Sixers were able to press, though, there was a 34-8 to 8 edge on free throw attempts. A lot of that comes down to Joel Embiid. And an 11-2 edge in offensive rebounding. Again, a lot of that comes down to Joel Embiid. But those two edges at, at least helped offset some of that running differential. Yeah. And I know we brought up Melton earlier. I do 
I want to point out, because I, I have killed him for his finishing at the rim, which is still a comedy routine every time he tries to go up there. Yep. He has embraced, you know, one of Nick's big principles, Nick Nurse, because I know now I have to do this every time with Nico Batum, Nick Nurse, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> yep. It's like a who's on first routine. One of Nurse's big principles is he wants to get to the rim almost, if not more so, than shoot threes. Like rim attacks are the his giant number one priority on offense. And Melton has really bought into that. Now sometimes yep. that leads to some crazy shit where he throws the ball <laughs> off the backboard and it caroms 15 feet the other way. But you got seven free throws tonight. And a lot of that is just, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw my body around. I'm going to go up, get to the rim. You know, Devon made a comment that during the game tonight where he was like, he really should be better at the rim because he's a good athlete. As a shooter, he clearly has good touch, right? Like he's probably hovering around... 40-ish percent, high 30 percent. He's relatively strong. Yeah. He gets decent elevation. So it's inexplicable to a certain extent, but then he has games like tonight where he was had a pretty good night finishing around the basket, and that ended up sustaining the offense during some periods where they had nothing else going. And if nothing else, like I always appreciate, it, appreciate a guy who will get to the free throw line and is that can get you through. That's the big value of Joel as a center being a high free throw guy is most guys at that position are getting fouled and you're just praying that some can go down. But that it, for any other player is normally like, this is how you sustain the offense when the shots aren't dropping. You don't have to be just a three point shooter. And I think D'Anthony has shown some progress there this year, just getting to the line. Yeah. I don't know if that's, I don't know if the numbers match that, but it feels like he's had more of these games where, He's been able to turn games around at the free throw line specifically. Does that make you feel more comfortable with him remaining in that starting role if he continues? Again, it, it's not gonna, not going to be 19 every no. night, but as long as he is attacking, but attacking with the purpose of not just showing his hang time and falling and having the pass last second, but he's doing so where he's making those better decisions like tonight where he – at one point where we thought he was going to try to take one of those shots and he kicked it out and it was a make. And yep. it might, was it that Kelly Oubre shot? Uh, it was a, no, it was a Nicholas Batum three pointer that I think it was where he kicked it out and you were yelling out great decision yes. because he did knowing not, his weaknesses. Yes. Like I, I'm a yes. big, know your weaknesses guy. Like the, the guys who make a living as role players are the players who make the transition from being these guys are all stars at lower levels, right? Like big time players in high school, college, whatever. The guys who successfully transitioned to being role players who play for 10, 15 years and play on good teams and make good money are the guys that have a niche, but also know this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And they focus all on the first. And when they can't do something, they say, somebody yeah. else take the ball and figure it out. To your point, Kyle, he is at a 25.6% free throw rate this year. He was 17% in his career there up to go. that point. And again, free throw rate or free throw attempts per 100 field goal attempts. So 25.6 means he gets 25.6 free throw attempts per 100 free throw attempts taken. That is far and away a career high. It's not great, but it's, it's better than it normally is. To Devon's question about whether you're confident in a starting lineup, a lot of that comes down to, well, who's the player they're able to get at the trade deadline? Like I think you, for the most part, just pursue the best talent you can get. Mm -hmm. uh, if that happens to be a bigger player, so maybe um, you need Melton to have another wing defender out there, fine. If that's a, sh a shorter player, replaces Melton and Tobias still in the starting lineup, that's fine. Uh, it just depends on, really, I think you go for, for the most part, the best player available with some considerations, obviously, like you don't get another center. But And, uh, and I'll add on, Kyle, when you mentioned uh, about knowing your strengths and your weaknesses in the league, that's what... Boggles, I understand he's 6'2", 6'3", but Derek, you said it, he's a really good athlete at 6'2", 6'3". We've seen him this season where he's attacked the basket and finished body to body uh, against defenders and not try to reverse layup or yeah. something like that. He is, again, chest to chest with somebody, not necessarily dunking on them, but absorbing that contact and finishing at the rim. And that's where, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, one of his strengths is even at that size, surprising people, or if they do know it and anticipate it, that he still does just that. 
and maybe turn the ball over, not turning over as a turnover, but turning it over in your hand to finish as a layup, to cup it, to, 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 to finger roll it, or even to use it as your advantage to when you do get that body-to-body contact, that Derek, the next thing you know, because he did go up and attack the rim in that way, maybe he is at the free throw line. He's right. rewarded because he missed the shot, and now because he went and had his mind made up that he was going to do it that way, the whistle blows, and again, he is not forced to make a decision. And even if he doesn't get the call that first time, you know what they do. They look at the official and they make a they make a complaint. And when they do it, and if Nick Nurse does it, the official now knows it that next time down the floor, if the same things happen, there you have that whistle, and now he's at the free throw line trying to get those two points that way. And you add a, a, a foul to the, to the team foul to your opponent, and maybe that starts to pile up as well. So that is a strength of his, even at his size, to finish as a good athlete at the rim, and I would like to see him do that a lot more. Uh, one more thing, a uh, little more comedy to go along with the game in this one. Paul Reed, it was a bit, it was a bit of an adventure tonight. Picking up, what do you get? Three fouls? Three fouls in like three minutes yeah, in the like, start uh, of the fourth quarter. Uh, and two of those were in like 50 seconds. It's not, it's not Paul's night tonight. Not, not Paul's night tonight. And he only played uh, on the night tonight for uh, the Sixers. Just uh, two seconds under 10 minutes, 9.58. Uh, on the night, and it, it wasn't a great one for Paul tonight. But he's played really good this season. Just just had a rough one tonight against that uh, against that team, and maybe we'll see a little bit better. We have seen much better. I'll him. give him a bit of a break. He's, he's yeah, he's a backup player. That being was, said, you were complaining about him while oh, the game was going on. I was groaning <laughs> and rolling my eyes. I'm like, what a dumb foul. Just stuff like that. Yeah, because it, it happened was, like 60 seconds. Yeah, I was like. Yo, what's going on here? Yeah, just but yeah, that was that was something. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 was something. Yeah, no doubt. But hey, Embiid with fifty tonight, as we talked about. I think it's uh thirty-five and five, the sixth this season. It's the first time in franchise history that he has hit, or any player that has worn the Philadelphia uniform, thirty plus points, five plus rebounds, five plus assists for the sixth time in one season, and that's where Embiid... I mean, we do this every year. He, yeah. To your point and to yours, as the growth has just been there, every season now we're talking about it, and every time we look at it or some tweet comes out or we get something from the Sixers, it's the first time since Will Chamberlain, Charles Barkley, Julius Irving, Allen And he's Iverson. never going to catch Wilt in any no, of these categories because no. Wilt's right. stats are video game But that's, that's nuts, 35-5 and five for the sixth time in one season. And we played, they played 20 games. Yeah. Yep. So it's not bad. Not bad. He's all right. Not and bad. it's the playmaking is what has come around because he's had plenty of, you know, 30 and 10s and yep. rebound. As much as I have hated on his rebounding from time to time, he still gets a lot of them. It was, and there was reason to hate on it. It was not good enough last year. He's been more committed on that for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the assists that have been the big step up. And some of that is Joe and crediting him, but it's also, the system, the style, and the coach really? have made a big difference. All right, man. I can't laugh. Before we get to this, we're about to get to a super chat, right? We have a super chat from Lucas who says, okay, maybe a strange day to litigate this, but how do we rank the Embiid era backup centers? Oh. Are we counting Al Horford in that group? Can you be a backup and I be paid $109 think million? So. Dollars? It's a good, it's a fair question. No, because he's a backup. A fair question. I don't, I don't think that's fair because he was a backup based on He's taking a rest. But he was he was on the floor when Embiid was not that year. Yeah. Like that was a design. yeah. How would we rank them? Wow, that's I guess Paul has to be first if we're kicking Horford out the club. I, I know some people will say Drummond, not even close for me, especially when you factor in playoff viability. Paul is a much more viable playoff uh backup center. He has shown that in the two years that he has been tasked with that. To me, Paul is the best backup center Embiid has had. Well, Dwight Howard was good until he would get beside himself offensively a little bit and then get too bogged down with the opponent where the technical fouls would happen, the unnecessary foul would happen because he's frustrated, at, it's, it's too physical, he didn't get a call. No. But I thought he was good. And, then def- the- and one of his problems too, Devon, was he was a bad fit with Ben Simmons. You couldn't play yeah. him. Yeah. Where like, there are a lot of people like, you can't play Ben and Dwight together. And that's not a commentary on Dwight, right? Like mm-hmm. Dwight carved out a Hall of Fame career playing with lots of different guards. 
Ben's very narrow skill set did not work with him. And that was a thing you did have to consider as the head coach at the time, but that was not Dwight's fault. That's the max contract point guards. Unfortunately, fault. the head coach at the time didn't do a whole lot of considering on that one. That's correct. Uh, no, I mean, if you're going career, Dwight has the best career by far. It's not even close. I still think people historically underrate Dwight in terms of what he meant to the game and his impact, especially early on in his career. But he was a real bad fit. Should have been in that top 75 over Anthony oh, Davis, I thought. Yes, yeah, I 100% agree. Yep. Um, anyone else? Uh, Boban? <laughs> Amir Johnson great guy to cover by the way like awesome some awesome locker room moments. Amir was also a great guy to cover he was fun in a locker room yeah. he would well. tell you when also you put out a cell him. phone in the middle yeah. of the game yeah, that, was, <laughs> yeah. that might be why he's not in the league too there's not a, a whole bit. lot of great options here though yeah not a yeah. whole lot of great options he would at least say hey you, let's drop let me drop some of this knowledge on you Amir Johnson would yep. say that yep. as, as you get ready to good talk dude. to him yeah he was a good dude do we count Nerlens Noel in this list Mm, I don't think he was with Joel long, long enough. Long enough They're only there enough. for a year together. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, th- I think Paul Reed, Dwight Howard, probably the two best. And Drummond's in there. Like, Drummond's I think in there. If you're I comparing would, him to Dwight, I, I think I would yes. take Drummond over Dwight. And look, yeah. when he was traded, people were livid because yeah. you didn't have He's a, the missing piece. a quality backup yeah. behind. And and that that was absolutely oh, I forgot about Jonah Bolden. He didn't play many center minutes. No, he, well, he, he played a lot of power forward, and he made one mistake against the Brooklyn Nets in that playoff series, and Brett was done. done. He was done with him. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that live, and I've, I've very rarely seen Brett that livid, and you didn't see much of Jonah after that point. Um, if, you're, if you're counting Al Horford, he's as much as people want to hate on him, he was the best one. Sure. It's just... He was paid to be a starter, um, so that's why there is so much. But he, he he certainly was a better player, even at that stage, even on the Sixers, than Reed. But in terms of people who were brought in to be a backup center, I do think it's people Paul, which is in part why like it's Daryl's not going to go spend resources to upgrade Mo Bamba. He's just not going to do that when you have a viable, capable player that you have confidence playing in the postseason. So Yeah, instead of working on his game, Jonah Bolden was working on his crypto portfolio, I think. He, yeah. was, a, he was a huge crypto guy. Might have worked out a little worse than even his NBA career. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> and I just oh, I, I just remember seeing I, him like posting NFTs. Maybe he sold out at the right time. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Maybe he's the all-time crypto whale. Who knows? All right, do we have some good ones? Tobias? Yeah, so I, I think... Bree during the show was highlighting some of these. If we want to, just to be clear, I will read these. This does not mean I am endorsing this opinion. It does not mean I am making the joke myself. It means that somebody else has Again, producers, this. anyone where you can clip this so it looks like Kyle is saying that himself, I will share that on social. Okay, so. I will misrepresent you for sure. I'm happy. We have Brian Knight says, Tobias Harris is the Nicholas Morrow of the Sixers. John Dickerson says Tobias is playing like preacher from fast break with a contract on his head. (laughs) We have Toby looks like he read a self-help book that is definitely not helping. Tobias Harris tonight was oh actually another Nicholas Morrow reference. Wow. That's two in the same, Mm. same comment section. Toby is a great locker room guy says Marty. So maybe he should stay in the locker room. (laughs) Cold man. Cool. John says, I'm told Tobias likes to watch. That could be taken a bunch of different ways. Maybe we keep that to our personal lives. You know, that <laughs> seems a little. Martian Lynch, Tobias Harris looks like a guy who watches Love Actually alone. Ooh, that's a, my wife is a big Love Actually <laughs> fan. She would hate to hear that comment. I will make sure she gets that. We have a few nicknames. We have Tobias the Friendly Ghost. Tobias Harris is playoff <laughs> Castellanos bad. Brad mm. wants to trade Tobias for a pack of Newports and Puma sweats. You know, that's <laughs> there are worse outfits that you could have, I guess. Valerie asks Devon if you can click our heels together three times and turn Toby into your cousin. That's a, that's a new no. one. Do you have the uh, the uh, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz slippers we can put on? Uh, you, you know what? May, maybe. May, uh, let me. Uh, I'll check on that Val and see if I can make that happen. But I highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. <laughs> I heard they're making a sequel to Heat. They should cast Tobias Harris since he legit stole $180 million. <laughs> by the way, oh, I recommend, man. I mean, people should have seen Heat by now. If you have not seen that movie, classic. watch yeah. the movie until the main bank heist. That is the single most, like if I see a movie on cable, 
stop and just stop what I'm doing to watch it. If I see heat and it has not reached that scene, it's over. The rest of my day is like, it's built around. I'm going to watch until that heist happened. It's an absolute classic. Yes, it is. Does Foco sell stress balls? Asking for a friend, <laughs> Tobias. <laughs> Trade Tobias for a PHLY hoodie. I don't know. We got higher prices than that, Marty. It's not a Black Friday sale anymore, but I'll let you know the uh, the next time you guys can get one at a cut rate deal. All right. I think that's probably enough hating on Tobias. Some good. real good ones in there. Two Nicholas Morrow and... In one chat. Pretty that good. Was, Marshawn would, Lynch. Uh, can I add another one? He says he's uh, looked like he was out there riding a, a Peloton. <laughs> he was definitely getting <laughs> cardio, cardio and very little else. <laughs> right. That's what, that's what Rich and I spent all of last year talking about with DJ oh, uh, Tucker. He's just getting his cardio in. Um, and I, I saw some people commenting like, oh, Tobias, is like he's not shooting threes because he's worried about his percentage because of the contract year. First of all, his percentage is 32%. They stink. You have to, you have to <laughs> shoot in order to bring that up. But I really don't think that's it with him. I don't think he's worried about his contract. And I, I almost want to give him credit because I think he will take on legitimately, even in a contract year, any role that he is asked to take on as long as it doesn't involve shooting threes when he's not comfortable. Like, I think all of this comes down to confidence and comfort. Yep. And he's just not comfortable on the court right now. He's certainly not comfortable taking threes. I don't think it has to do with the contract or anything like that. You just need to get him to a better... Again, you're not going to change fundamentally who Tobias is. You just need to get him back to a better version of who he is. And it's been very frustrating. And we saw that very, very early in the season where he was averaging 20 points, and that was a big discussion. Three, 20 point, well, four, because Kelly Oubre was also very high, very close to that number uh, with Maxi and Embiid, and of course, Tobias Harris. We saw it already, and, and that's where the frustration does come in. We've seen it before. Why is it not there in a big part of that? We do think it's because he might be, you know, in his own head and thinking a little bit too much when he can go out there as when you say professional score, we know there are elite, elite professional scores where they were Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, those guys that just flat out go get it. Then you have those tier belows, but they are professional scores in the sense that, you know, you can go get 18, go get 18. And that's where we look at him and say, he can absolutely give you 18, when he doesn't, it's more often because he didn't do it and he let the defense off the hook a little bit by not getting it done in that way. It's the two sides of a contract here, right? On the one hand, you got everything to prove. You can look out for yourself and say, I'm chasing my numbers, I'm doing this. And to Tobias's credit, to open the year, yep, not doing looked that. like a guy on a damn mission. Like he came out and is playing awesome. And now he's in this rut. And then you start to wonder, well, how long does this last? Like, how long does the slump continue? And because he's got, I mean, this is a major moment in his career. He could go from, I know he's made enough money that we could live off of for several lifetimes and so could all our relatives and all that. But like, this is his livelihood and he's looking at next summer, especially with there's already a, a shrinking middle class in the NBA because of the new CBA. And he could really get in his own head and, as Ramage brings up in the comments, he's his own worst enemy sometimes. It could get uglier from here, and this could last a while. I hope it doesn't. It'll, that would be annoying to have to talk about all the time, but that's a real concern I would have. And I don't think it will. I think he'll have a stretch where he'll have yep. five games where he's playing well, and then he'll be confident, and for a month he'll be playing like a good version of Tobias, and it won't last because it's always like you're always waiting for that next streak. You're always waiting for the next 0 for 10 from 3, and how does it respond? We know how he's going to respond. He's going to stop taking them. But he's just he's just gonna have these ups and downs all year long. It's That's just who, he, who is. he is. Yep. That's exactly who he is. That's that about do it for us. Yeah, yeah probably. Probably do it. And we'll be back uh on the show tomorrow on Thursday at two thirty, another two thirty. An early one, not a late night. Yeah, I was gonna say that that's an early one. That's, that's, a, that's not, a good no one. late night. That's a good one. Uh two thirty. Uh, tomorrow right here on the PHLY Sixers podcast. Sixers pick up their 13th win on the season again, a five-point victory over the Wizards. Defense optional, but the big story, 50 from Joel Embiid in this performance. 19 of 29, put a pretty big number up there. A season high, 50 points in a win over the Wizards. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You want to say some goodbye? Well, you already find did. people in the chat. Listen, yeah. I got to say, after named I named them. a lot of them, yeah. doing the roast session, Shout out to Shahid, Jake M, Kevin, Two Minute Warning, Money Mar, AC Phila, John, Lucas, Ramich, Marty, Dan, 
Still scrolling. Brian, <laughs> Lucas, Elaine. I know Ash was in here earlier. Shout out Dan Murphy. Shout out to, oh, there's just too many names, guys. I'm very sorry. Martian Lynch, who I read maybe six of his jokes yep. individually. Thank you guys, as always, for being here. Love being with you each and every day on your way out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. If you hit the bell icon, you will get notifications each and every time we go live, as well as our talented colleagues who would appreciate it a lot. And I'd also appreciate it a lot if you would hit that thumbs up button. Helps us out a great deal. We will be back tomorrow afternoon. So that'll do it for us. For Kyle, Derek, I'm Devon, Brianna, producing the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I see that in there. Happy to be back and glad you found us. Good to be back with these guys. And I just, and just a blast to be here with these two and Brianna as we uh, keep this thing going on the PHLY Sixers podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.30. Have a good one. Y'all silly like the mayor.